ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Chris and Andre Show, episode 30. Um, glad you're with us again, and if this is your first time, uh, I'm Andre. And I'm Chris. And um, stuff. And things. <laughs> Again, we talk we, we talk about a lot of things, uh, blah blah blah, and a lot of stuffs. So, yeah how uh, how have things been in your neck of the woods lately? Uh, pretty good. Uh, can't complain. Uh, good. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's the that's the gist of that. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> Hi. Hey. Hi. I love you. Goodbye. Thanks for stopping by. Sure. We, we we keep it real in my house. My my wife just said, "What's up?" We <laughs> keep it real on the podcast too. I was just up editing uh, episode twenty seven. Uh, I'm going to continue to tell on myself. Not that you weren't <laughs> going to call me out at some point, I'm sure. But I was working on episode twenty seven earlier today before I stopped because I realized I shouldn't do that thing that I almost did, which was. At four fifty ish, when I got no four forty five, when my Google Calendar uh, notification hit and said, "Hey, don't forget you're recording your podcast at 5 I'd go, "Well, I should probably see if I can get this Zoom uh, Live Track L eight working before (laughs) we record today." And so, a couple of hours ago, I was like, "I'm going to start and just make sure I can get this all set up." Well. Lo and behold, uh, I ran into some difficulty. So we are still recording on our classic Behringer Euphoria UMC 204 HD. There's a bunch of letters, numbers, and other things. And dials and levers and switches are mine. Yeah, I mean, I am super excited about the live track because it looks really cool. Um, And I'm hoping this isn't the second mixer in a row that I have to send back because of some issue. But... I'm sure it's just something that I haven't gotten to in the instruction manual yet. So fingers crossed that Chris is smart enough to figure that stuff out. Um, so well, I, I'm I'm left but just to have total faith in your ability, dude. And I I have no idea what you do. And that's <laughs> like a, that's I, a scary thing, you know. I mean, <laughs> for anybody, but especially for Andre. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, this is probably one of the few cases where he feels at least somewhat comfortable in that. Where he's like, well, I, because I literally have no no insight that I can provide to try and assist on this. Uh, although, I mean, there are digital software, you know, components to this. So at some point I'm just going to try turning it off and then turning it back. I literally did that. I was like, maybe <laughs> when I installed the driver and it did the restart that something just didn't, you know, restart. Right. So let's do a full shutdown. We'll turn Gosh, everything so, off. We'll, we'll unplug everything that's and then we'll start thing. over and see. And, and nope, still, still nothing. So that's not a thing. It looks um, really pretty, though. Yeah, I, I'm. I mean, I saw the pictures. I I don't know what it does. So uh, we we can only reiterate the obvious. I, that's not my wheelhouse. I, I'm not good at that stuff. I have uh, started to uh, sketch out a mobile app, like the um, the Chris and Andre Show mobile app. No, that's actually it's on my. That is on my uh, <laughs> list of things to create, um, but not right now. Probably more than likely Q2 of next year. Mm. Uh, I have a couple of things I need to make. Yeah. Um, 
but definitely Q2 of next year, I'm going to definitely make a Chris and Andre mobile app. I, I believe we can create our own platform, if I'm being honest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I want part of the app to be that you can throw pies at pictures of our faces. Yeah, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> and there should be like a little dancing panda. And he's got a hat. I'll keep I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> it's uh it's the little touches like that that let your users know that you really care about them and that That's you're focused true. on the the important things, right? That's true. It's that attention um, to detail that really comes through in the end. Hey, you want to hear some breaking news? It's time for politics. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, that was like my bumper for that. You'll have to make a bumper, and then like. See, and I I feel dumb because I feel like I I use the really good like breaking news thing for the politics thing, but I still I love our politics intro. It's one of my favorites. Just get another bumper. Just add. Just change the words. Yeah, that's they'll all be that from now on. I'm gonna go back and redo everything. It'll be cooking. Insert bumper here. Like, yeah. This is for your. This is an editing note for yeah. you. Thank you. Uh, Kamala Harris was just uh, nominated as or selected as the the uh, as Biden's running mate. Well, I I can't say that I am not well, a little, little disappointed. To be fair, this will not be breaking news by the time Chris finally gets this published. But <laughs> we we are definitely talking about it on August the eleventh. So, yeah uh why, why are you disappointed okay so i i it was kind of a bait right because i wanted to i wanted you to be like what the fuck but i don't know <laughs> if you remember my brilliant political plan for joe biden and who he should select for his running mate oh god i no, <laughs> but tell me again. It was Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama, yeah. That, but I told you that's not a thing. Dude. Well, no, I mean, I know, but that's the only reason I'm disappointed. I feel like he took, you know, uh, he took he he took a look at his options and he said, you know, well, at least what I could do is select a competent person <laughs> <laughs> to back me up here. <laughs> And now maybe he actually does get the black vote. We'll see. But well, I, I think with the exception of a couple of the potentials on the list, I think most of the, I think most of them were competent. No, um, I agree. I mean, I think I think overall he did a, a pretty good job uh, of kind of you know finding of coming up with it. I mean, obviously he had binders full of women. Uh, yeah, to yeah. choose from. Now so. I, I'm still on the fence about how I feel about that. Um, what binders full of women or determining that you were going to select a woman right off the bat yeah that one yeah i mean i i'm with you and that you know i think if what if you come out and said well i'm going to select a black person right would that have been any it would that have been received any differently and i'm not saying by you but i just think you know like there's there's an element of shouldn't you just be choosing whoever you feel is the best person to support you right like to be for that role, regardless of, you know, race or gender, you know, whatever it is, obviously nationality should be a pretty important one, but (laughs) (laughs) 
That's the one box you don't have to check. <laughs> Vladimir Putin. No, that's, uh... <laughs> that's who Trump wants to pick. Well, yeah. Um, he would demote himself and let Putin. Speaking of breaking news, did you see that uh, Putin and and by Putin I mean Russia announced that they have like the first successful coronavirus vaccine, even and, though it's only in like phase three trials. And apparently and he stabbed his daughter with it in his inner sleep. <laughs> and he was like, "So you know, she's good now. Uh, I mean, she she grew a third arm, but she's fine. <laughs> she's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine here in Russia." I yeah I don't I don't even know what to say to that. It's kind of like when you look at the coronavirus virus cases across the globe, and China's like at a flatline zero. Yeah, like, no, I mean they're they're golden, man. I mean they're. Are you kidding me? I mean, no, no disrespect to the communist people countries out there, but come on, yo, like people can see through that, bro. Like, yeah, you, I mean, and it's uh, you know, it's always interesting because having having had conversations with people who live in mainland China, like I think they, they don't, at least, you know, from, from what they share, I guess somewhat publicly, um, like they, they don't really see any issue with anything that's, that their government mm. does. Uh, their phone is tapped, you know that, right? Well, no, I know, but I'm saying like outside, <laughs> like not phone conversations, but like when I was over there, you know, in person and stuff like that. But I just, I, you know, I'm, I, I don't know. I think I, I I certainly don't, you know, I don't applaud or agree with China, like withholding information around what's going on, because I think it's important that everybody have an understanding of kind of where we are as a as a as a as a planet. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on this pandemic I, front. But uh, yeah, I don't want to cut you off, but like but I, you I will. Just so go it, ahead. But I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I. I what I know about communism is that the the first round of experiments, Cuba, uh, USSR, China, pretty much disasters. You know, I think China in the last quarter century has figured out a way to make their brand of communism more palatable to the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, with that being said, you know, it's no different than, you know, why are we trying to ban TikTok, you know? Uh, let's look at what, well, because it's a secret, you know, data collection app that Beijing is using to track every American teenager because that's who they really care about. But we let the Lenovo IBM deal go through. Yep. Right. It's like, yeah, pick your battles. I, I just, I think that the, um, I think that we've done a pretty crappy job of trying to play the, the world's, uh, moral compass and, it just looks we have egg on our face and a lot of things in recent years. So it's like, yeah, we should shut up sometimes. Um, I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, I think um, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, was it? Uh, he who was without sin cast the first stone. Right. And yeah, <laughs> and that's certainly not us. Uh, and I think you look back at what has, what has occurred in the United States over the last couple of hundred years even and like the whitewashing of our history right like i mean you think about what we teach in our history classes um and stuff like that about the foundation of this country and manifest destiny and all of these things that we teach is you know like oh it's it's, i mean somebody was pointing out like we spend time teaching children the names of christopher columbus's boats i know them you know like i mean 
I that whole stupid freaking rhyme, you know? <laughs> like that was there was dedicated time spent on that to essentially so explain why we were here and why it was okay that we were here. What's funny is that uh when you listen to uh pundits talk about even how uh, Donald has a tendency to kind of excuse Putin, uh the the way they rebut his his comments are, you know, we just don't feel comfortable with him not uh, accepting American exceptionalism. And that's still, unfortunately, something that we believe in this country. Now, ironically, even with our warts, we're probably one of the best countries in the world. But I would I would argue that we're the greatest country in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd be like, mm, I don't think so. We're pretty jacked up. Yeah. Or is it that things that happen over here get highlighted more because of our supposed American ex, you know, exceptionalism? I don't know. I'm not a philosopher, and that's why I don't like philosophy. Um, I don't want to have to... I, I think I don't like having to justify wrong, basically. Yeah, uh, which is what we are constantly doing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, the attempts to justify slavery and what was done to the Native Americans and, you know, uh, I just... And it's, I guess it's all, I find it also just kind of funny that, you know, America sees itself as this beacon of freedom and democracy and all of this. And yet we're also just like, I mean, we are like warmongers when it comes, I mean, like you, you want, you want to give us a chance to go to war? Like, dude, just give us a chance. You know, like, I mean, you think about the country was started essentially on a war. We told, we told England, no, piss off. We don't want to pay your money and we're willing to go to war over it. Uh, we've, we fought a war with ourselves, right? Like, right. I mean, <laughs> like we'll, we will literally fight anybody. Um, and it's just, it's, I don't know. Like, again, I kind of come back to this. I, I, America seems like the big bully in the room that everybody's kind of just been like, all right, yeah, like you're You're great, dude. Like, just stop fucking hitting us. Like, you know like we get it you're the best okay yeah like you're big and tall and you can slam dunk like uh, we you know like i don't it's, know uh, it's it's weird i i just don't understand uh you know and i don't want to well i'm going to but it's just like we, we're very hypocritical in our stances on things i've seen like a number of articles coming out maybe i shared some with you regarding uh just the hypocrisy of, uh, of white evangelicals mm-hmm. uh, and where they are as far as, you know, coming to grips with their stupidity. Um, and it just blows my mind that we're having these same conversations. It's like, we say we stand for this, but we have like our actions are completely the opposite. And they're so far from what we say we stand for. You have Jerry Falwell, you know, it's like, and he gets crapped on. It's like, you guys lost that argument, guys. Uh, you can give him an indefinite uh, suspension, but he's still a douchebag. So yeah. just call it for what it is. Sports. Well, but then, you know, he's got his whole deal with Liberty University, where they're essentially using athletics to promote, you know, what, what their brand of Christianity. Um, which I think, I mean, it's, it's interesting because, like, 
you know, the whole thing was founded essentially because they looked at what Notre Dame had done. They looked at what right. BYU had done and were like, well, shit, we could do that. All we got to do is go find some kids that either, you know, like can't play football elsewhere or are actually want to come play football here for some reason. And, you know, they're in an area where they're kind of cleaning up a lot of like the Virginia Tidewater and stuff like right. that um, because of the lack of attractive options there. I mean, like, uh, you know, it's, but ultimately, I mean, the reason, part of the reason I bring it up is because with the revised ACC football schedule that was announced a couple of weeks ago, Liberty is on NC state's football schedule. And there's been a significant number of people who are sitting there going, okay, who at NC state thought that that was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Like, Liberty's not a program where a win makes you look any better, right? And it's one where a loss makes you look like a freaking... I mean, a loss to Liberty, almost like regardless of the rest of the schedule, high. is going to get Dave Doran fired. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, because if he, if he won every other game, but he lost to freaking Liberty, like, halfway through the season, they're going to be like, dude, you had a perfect season on your hands and you lost it. You're fired. Like you lost a Liberty. Really? Is that, yeah. Is that really a thing? Like why, why are we even like having this conversation? Right? So, and I think, you know, part of it is I don't understand why the ACC sat there and said, we need to add another school that isn't in the conference. If you wanted to play 11 games, there's enough teams that you could have each team play 11 other teams. Like that, that happens. That's a thing. You don't have to bring somebody else in from outside of the conference. And from a coronavirus, like safe player safety, team safety standpoint, it makes almost no sense to me. From a financial standpoint, it doesn't really seem to make any sense except that but Chris, the power five is like canceling their season. Well, except for the ACC. The ACC, and to this point, and I fully understand that it is very likely that that will change, right? Yeah. But. To this point, they have basically stood pat and said, no, uh, we're going to do our best to play football this year, even though it's everybody not... else is like, no. And so they're going to be one of the last ones to make up their mind that this is not the right thing to do. I think it's the most asinine thing to do. Like, I, I just, I, I, I think we should just call it on sports. Yeah. Let's just like the baseball season shot. Uh, the Marlins are. Uh, pretty much screwed. Um, the only I, one that's going to survive this right now is uh, basketball. And then yeah. like the solo sports like racing and golf, you know, where yeah. like some level of, you know, social distancing is just built into the sport naturally. But I mean, the NBA is the only one who sat there and said, OK, if guys, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. But I mean, somebody was making the point the other day where it's like, don't think that they're going to do this again for a full season next year. You know, like if this isn't under control for 2021, you think that these players are going to go camp out in Orlando for six months, you know, like, I mean, what do you, I, and you, you're bringing all 30 teams to Orlando to go play. Right. Like, you know, I mean, hopefully, right. We're at a point where as we're starting to see potential vaccine candidates and stuff like that, you know, make it through testing that maybe next year, right. Sometime in yeah. 2021, we can be you know, feeling relatively safe where we might have a, a, a case here or there, 
but for the most part, it's been, I mean, that's assuming that any of that happens, right? That's, that's a lot of ifs, but at the same time, like, yeah, I'm with you that I just, I think for 2020, like, dude, just call it. Like, I mean, what's the, I mean, but I, I guess, you know, in their mind, right. If they cancel it now, there isn't really any going back. And so if something happens and, oh, miracle cure now is here, you know, or Trump gets his way and it just disappears. Um, that I'm disappointed. I will tell you this. I'm disappointed in some of the players that are trying to make demands such as, you know, 50-50 split on the revenue, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm seeing the rebuttal to that is, uh, well, your scholarship can cost up to $500,000. I'm like, yeah, but these kids are like, yo, they're they're going in. They're scop. The average student is not paying five hundred thousand dollars and going to practice before class, you know, in between classes. They don't have their entire day managed, you know, like minute to minute, essentially, which is what these players are are doing is they're committing their entire life, more or less. And for somebody to say their scholarships is worth five hundred thousand dollars, I'm like, "Mm, no, it's it's not. It's you can't tell me that. No. And so it's, uh, uh, you know, I'm. I had some mixed feelings about that too because I thought, you know, I under on one side I understand that it the the lack of any sort of, you know, real monetary benefits for players outside of scholarships right. um is has been an ongoing problem, right? And is something that absolutely needs to be addressed. At the same time, it doesn't really have anything directly to do with what we're dealing with right now, right? Which is this pandemic and player safety issues. But there are, it was my understanding that at least a, you know, a group within the PAC 12 players felt that they were more closely related because it essentially boiled down to the schools and the organizations not doing what's best for the players in both cases. And so because they were examples of both of those, and I think to some degree feeling like, well, shit, this may be our only chance to go do this, you know, like, and so I'm with you, like, I'm kind of torn on it where it's like, I, on one hand, I kind of wish that we could focus on what, on the health thing. But at the same time, I understand like you're not a union, right? You don't have people that are constantly going and arguing on your behalf. Like, this may be the only opportunity where you have this type of leverage to sit down and say, no, I'm not going to do this, but I, yeah, I don't know. Here's, here's what I think. I think that, um, you know, there was a WNBA player that made a point about uh, Senator Loeffler and she said the, uh, the league is 70% black, right? If you look, I don't know what the percentages of, uh, of college football, yeah. but I will say what I would recommend go to HBCUs. Like I'm, and I'm being super, like, dead serious. Like I think there is a point where you have to realize, if you can't change, if you're not going to change for your environment, change your environment. And I, I just think it's a lot wiser, you know, just pull out of these, you know, the, these other schools. If they're not showing you love, I mean, I'm not down to be played by anybody like that. That's just that's stupid. Yeah. And I know that they're not going to lose their aspirations of you know playing sports i don't i don't believe but yo just start peeling off these schools man i mean screw penn state screw nc state screw carolina i mean screw them all like go to people go to places where people show you some love yeah 
Yeah, I mean, and uh, you know, I was talking with my mom about it because I think, like we talked before, you know, we're season ticket holders at state, and <laughs> she wanted to see a bunch of Larrys playing football. <laughs> no, I mean, but you know, it's like this upcoming season. You know, they state made an announcement where by partnering with SAS, we've determined, you know, we're working to have capacity, you know, up to 50% for football games. I'm like, how the hell are you going to do that? Like, I got people literally sitting in my lap, you know, for like games. So taking 50% out. Okay. So now the guy's just sitting next to me. He's not (laughs) sitting on top of me. Great. Like how are you going to do 50%, you know? And then it's like, Oh, well, it's going to be season ticket holders and students. That'll be, you know, the, the ones that are going to get the opportunity to go to the games first. And then, you know, if there are any available uh, tickets available after that, then they'll be sold to the general public. But that's a riot waiting to happen, dude. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I, I I know most of States uh, season ticket holders are alum and yeah, they're going to show up. Yeah. that's like expecting ECU not to have a, a, I mean, crap. How how would you pull that? I'm not saying State's not a big football school, but ECU, good Lord. Those, I mean, I know people that would drive from Asheville to go yeah. to an ECU football game. And I would drive every every time they played a home game. So, uh, I don't know. I just I just think we should call it. I mean, I know the schools, it's a billion-dollar business for college uh, sports. Well, and that's the problem is <laughs> the football season funds everything else. You know, and so what are you going to do? You're going to ask your football uh, season ticket holders to essentially donate their tickets, the cost of their tickets this year, so that, that you can afford to pay for all of the other scholarships and everything else that's going on. Can I ask you a question? This is this is a hard line question. Do yeah. you really believe that schools are that underfunded? I okay, think that yeah. they're that poorly run. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to answer my question no i do mean think- I, I don't know i mean i think it's again i think like the way that the organizations have been set up it's i mean it's a lot like football players right where pro- pros that are in the nfl where you're making the minimum salary right half a million dollars and people are sitting there going well yeah it must be nice to not you know to to need half a million dollars right but the thing is, the lifestyle that they have, the things that they have already accrued, right, determine a certain amount of expenses. And so it's not true. Gronk, Gronk stay with his parents, right? Sure. Uh, but not everybody of- has Gronk's opportunities, right? Not everybody has a house or a car or all of that other stuff when they get to the league. My my point being, right? So let's say it's a half a million dollars. Median income for the country sixty thousand dollars, right? If you're making six figures, you're probably not starving right now. Right. And that's 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 my point. I'm it's not like, saying that people aren't starving, but I'm saying what I am saying is that it makes sense yes, why are. guys are sitting there saying, I'm I need to play football next year, right? Or I need to play football this year. That I can't miss half a million dollars because he, I mean, what's he gonna do? He's gonna go get a job working at the grocery store? He's gonna so go get a job working in the other pro football league that doesn't exist? You're, my point being, Chris, they, they get a signing bonus. They get like their, you know, whatever the first year's salary is. It's, it's probably prorated or some crap like that. They're, you know, most athletes are broke by the time they get out of professional sports. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're feeding, you are feeding, all right, what you're saying feeds into that argument that they're so, 
uneducated about their money. No, I'm not do. saying that they're uneducated. I'm saying well, they that... are. Well, they are. <laughs> Most athletes. Okay, but wait, which is this though? Like, am I saying that I'm... they're uneducated or are they uneducated? No, you're... <laughs> I'm saying what I'm saying is like these guys aren't going to play their first year unless it's their first season, right? right? So let's exclude the first season uh, athletes. Sure, right? it's their first season. They may have their signing bonus. I understand why they have a desire to play so so greatly. But if you're in your second year and you didn't burn through all your cash, you might be okay. Well, right? except that the other problem is that delays another year of you accruing towards your free agency. Which me and the second check, the second contract is where the guys make their money anymore. I mean, guys make good money, but the real like big money is on the second contract. And if you're a year older, that's one less year that you have. I mean, if you're a, an organization, you got a 25 year old versus a 26 year old running back. You're going to take the 25 year old. It's one less year, even if you didn't play that season. Right. I, I mean, I'm just saying there's you. there's a lot of stuff going on that ultimately impacts whether or not these guys want to play right or a lot just and and again i'm not saying that it's not even necessarily that they mismanage their money as much as it is like yeah maybe they're in a position where they were relying on a half a million dollar income this year right like i mean most businesses are in a position where they were in you know they they can't just all of a sudden say well i'm going to close up shop for a year and i'll come back next year and i'll be okay most places aren't like that right some places yeah but most aren't set up to do that kind of stuff. I hear what you're saying. I, I, I'm just, I guess I'm just struggling with the risk versus reward in that scenario. But I guess to bring it back to our, what we were originally talking about with colleges being underfunded, my point was that where they are now, they're set up to, they can't just not get that revenue for a year, right? Everything that comes along with that. They can't sit there and go, well, we'll just come back next year. Like, because the... Uh, it's like, you know, the machine requires more money. And so in order for everything to keep moving forward, there has to be a football season in the minds, at least of the universities. And they don't see another way out of it right now because they have put themselves in this position of relying so heavily on players that aren't compensated and ultimately have very little say other than I'm going to sit out and, and potentially lose my scholarship and my place on a team, which I mean, I'm with you. Like if, if I'm at a place where they're telling me you either play and don't, you know, don't really give a shit about player safety or say that whatever we're doing is good enough or, you know, you're out of here. Like if I'm the players in Washington state and they kick me off the team because I don't feel comfortable playing, you know, because of COVID like, man, fuck that school. I'll go play somewhere else. And and then, you know, maybe Washington state's the best, best, place that i could have gotten to but is it worth it ultimately if for the next two or three years you got people that don't actually care about you that would just as soon watch you get a contracted potentially deadly disease as you know matriculate into the nfl like they they don't care because next year it's it's another set of kids you're right i mean again i don't have um I guess, again, I'm just struggling with the risk versus reward. And um, it's like, yeah, if it was my kid, I'd be like, no, we're good. You know, I know yeah. there's a VT player that uh, he decided to take the season off. Um, and yeah, I think there, there were a few, you know what I mean? There were yeah. a bunch in the NFL guys that had pre-existing conditions and stuff like that, that, you know, and other guys that just said, no, it's not worth it. 
You know, I mean, think about it. Von Miller's got asthma. Yeah. Like, I mean, so if he's think about all of the offensive linemen, I mean, they're obese, most of them, right? Like, just naturally, yeah. <laughs> essentially, yeah. for playing that position, and that alone is a complication, like a potential complication with COVID. Yeah, I, I, it's tough, and I, I, I personally vote. So, any sports organization, if you're listening, just call t- 2020. Just call it. Just, <laughs> it's not. I'm not trying to, you know. Watching, I mean, watching a game and then six months later, one of your, you know, favorite players dies or they, they get the, uh, like I saw a 21 year old kid last night on the news who has all these complications after, you know, and like organs failing. I'm like, he's 21, yeah. you know? So if the disease was like consistent in the, in what it did to people, I'd be like, Okay, that's a calculated risk, but since it's not, it's like organ failure. <laughs> that's, that's a thing. Right. I mean, and, and that's where I think a lot of people just kind of miss the point on this whole thing. You know that it's not. It's not. I don't think it's fair to sit there and say, "Well, it's a certain percentage of the population that's died, or it's a certain percentage that are catching it, or you know, like it's ultimately like the potential, right?" of what's there and the fact that there are so many people still that i guess want to believe that this isn't that big of a deal that everybody's making far more out of it that somehow by you know wearing a face mask or some sort of face covering you know makes you a sheep of the government as opposed to somebody that simply cares about trying to do what's best for other people like i you know it's (laughs) I just, it's so disappointing to constantly see this stuff. Although at the same time, I think we're starting to see at least like some potential light at the end of the tunnel. You sent me that article on um, was it Mitch McConnell in Kentucky is starting to have a little bit of trouble with it's all time the, for ever, uh, the lack of aid Wait, that he has again? essentially been able to provide to the people in his own freaking state. Yo. And I, I said a while back that, you know, I hope, well, maybe Kentucky's racist, <laughs> I guess, uh, after people are living in the rest of the world with everybody else, we're starting to see, you're right, Mitch McConnell has a, uh, according to the polls right now, it's a tie, right? Yeah. Uh, Lindsey Graham so, in South Carolina too, right? Like he's, yeah. he's got a, a fight on his hands, so... And I said the same thing. Maybe South Carolina just is racist. I, I don't know. Well, you know? and, I, you know, it was interesting because the article that you sent, I think, was specifically talking about how, for McConnell, like, how do you balance the crazy delusions of Trump with, you know, not wanting to ever agree with the Democrats to actually providing your state with the things that they need for people to be happy and successful? When, specifically, you're in a state that provides nothing really at this point. I mean, like what you have corn, so you're subsidized and you have coal. So you're subsidized. <laughs> I mean, and you remember the thing that what was it? Cuomo said uh, about, yeah, New York's like the third contributor. We, we contribute the third most of any state to the federal pot. And Kentucky's like number two on the taking from the pot and the, the right. scale. And yet Mitch McConnell wants to sit here and tell the rest of the country how it is that we're supposed to manage our finances. <laughs> I, I, you, I, you can't make this stuff up. It's, 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 
it's mind numbing. It's like, wow, you guys are. And again, I, I just hope the country has a long memory. Uh, it, it's interesting that you'll see. And we've talked about this a lot where most people are moderate. You know, they're most reasonable people that don't have um, a super diehard reason to be far left or far right are moderate. I thought you were going to say a learning disability. but <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I don't want to say that. But I mean, even with uh, Lindsey Graham's people, there are people like, I mean, there are Republicans on both sides, actually, for those two, there are Republicans that are like, what is going on? <laughs> like, yeah. What are, what did you sign up for? And no, Trump is repugnant. Like I just like he has said nothing, done nothing that makes any ref- or has any reflection on what the GOP was trying to like re- reform itself to be. Um, and I, I, I just, still it, it, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, it was interesting in one article that, you know, maybe I read a different one or I don't know. I read a few articles at one time. It was saying, what are we trying to trying to conserve? Yeah. <laughs> it's like. What Trump are we is- fighting for at this point? Right. Yeah. I mean, like what's left for us to really fight for in this party? I mean, yeah. like uh, what? There's no moral high ground. Right. There's no there's no high ground on anything. Like there's nobody there that I've seen that understands how to, how to, you know, run a financially conservative yet successful country. Right. Right. I mean, and how do you provide the services that are necessary? Ultimately, how do you determine what those are, provide them in an efficient manner and make sure that the whole country isn't falling apart. I mean, like, I think we see that, Sure, when the economy is humming along and, you know, we're doing really good and things are going well, like we can look past a lot of these, you know, speed bumps, right? I mean, it's like anything. When you're driving really fast, those little potholes feel a lot smaller than when (laughs) you're crawling along and every one is a, you know, drop down into it. And that's where people are at now, where it's like every little thing feels like a giant thud because everything is ground to a halt. And... I, but it's like, but what, what are you fighting for? Like, how, how are there not more Republican senators, especially the ones that are up for reelection that aren't sitting there going, you know, I'll be honest, I've made a really big mistake over the last four years. And maybe it's too late for me to admit that, but I don't support what Donald Trump supports anymore. This is, this is what I'm on board with, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, like I, there's nobody, not a single person. That ship has sailed, bro. They're it, all going it, down with it, apparently. Yeah, that ship has sailed. It's like, uh, may, you know, maybe my hope that America has a long memory is it's it's going to come true. You know, uh, you know, I made a comment a while ago, like I didn't understand the plight of the millennials and uh, where they are with the economy. And I shared an article with you. It kind of made me reexamine my own opinion. And what you just said about it's great when the economy's humming along. Uh, the economy hasn't been humming along for like at least 10 years. And I don't think anybody ever slowed down to realize that. Um, well, I think, you know, coming out of the recession in 2008, I think we kind of got fooled into thinking things were a lot better than they were. You know, like when things improved a little bit, we all were like, oh, thank God. Oh, that was <laughs> terrible. Oh, my God. Well, we're out of that. And never really took the time to look back and go, oh, we haven't really gotten that far. Or like we've gone a long ways, but it was all 
straight ahead. Like, <laughs> I mean, because, yeah, everything's been very stagnant for a while. Um, and I think, but, you know, obviously, like, what we've seen now is that there were a lot of cracks in the armor, right? Like, Yeah, I didn't realize there were so many people working multiple jobs. Uh, until I started, like that article led me down a rabbit hole of trying to figure out what that really meant. Um, it also proves that our economy, like what people think are indicators, uh, and even Donald tried to, you know, pitch this that, well, you know, people have 401ks. Uh, not all of them. What's left of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, not all of them dude you, you got to stop living that lie that you know americans benefit the 401k system was only it was a oh gosh i, I hate to say his name it was another clinton screw up yeah it, it was just like the how do we get companies out of paying pensions type of deal um well and then what it ultimately resorted in is funneling money back into the economy through the stock market right so all you were really doing was taking money out of investors pockets people's pockets and putting it back into corporations again yep we <laughs> I, mean, for I, I i watched this uh this is all going to tie together i watched this documentary it was painful to watch uh immigration nation on netflix and i tell you what i cannot stand bill clinton uh, one, a couple things out of that that just kind of blew my mind one we should actually you know i was looking at the dude when i start watching this stuff i just like go on this i just go like really deep into it and i'm th i'm asking myself all right so we have the main border crossing in, in mexico why don't we have one in arizona right why don't we ease the burden on on the southern border and process more people seeking asylum in Arizona. We totally have the capacity to do that. Mm -hmm. Secondly, when and when can we get out of this whole private uh, prison system? Like, yep. dude, like these guys are making $61 a day. People are staying in these uh, processing, quote unquote, processing centers for like 18, 24 months. And thirdly, why is immigration not under the Department of Labor or Department of Justice or some other some other branch outside of the executive branch? How do we f that up? Like, it just—I don't know if you've seen it yet. No, I haven't seen that one yet. I'm gonna have to add that to my list. It's painful to watch. We are a crappy country yeah. when it comes to to things that we supposedly value it, it was just it was awful it's, i mean it's more hypocrisy right like yeah. what it really boils down to right i mean it's the like as a, for a country of immigrants we sure don't like immigrants um i had a friend of mine tell me one time like we're you know we're talking about immigration and you know i i'm obviously not an immigrant my family's not immigrants well we were forced migrants to this country back in the day um but he was he made an interesting point you know you know why we don't get rid of all the illegal immigrants, most of them are paying taxes. Right. It would cripple the, you know, I mean, you talk about crippling the economy, it would cripple the freaking government. Yeah. $24 billion, according to this documentary that I guess they fin finished up filming in 2019, $24 billion. Yeah. 
24 billion dollars and it's like and they're doing all the jobs that nobody else wants to do i i literally heard a guy in in florida after a hurricane you know i I would ascribe him to be a country a country boy he made that he goes you know the way he presented it was probably kind of suspect like dude you probably don't want to see it that way but he, he said the same thing you did you know, there are not Americans out there wanting to do roofing. There's not Americans out there that want to do manual labor, like uh, framing houses anymore. It's like now Americans are too good to be the framer. They want to be the general contractor. Yep. You know, yeah, I gotta and, be. if I'm not a manager, then I'm, what am I? Right. Yeah. Um, and so when people make the argument of they're, you know, oh, they're stealing our jobs, you're full of crap. They're doing jobs you don't want to do. You're too good to, or you think you're too good to do. Well, uh, like, I guess. Uh, do you think that any part of that is this the massive push for higher education that to some degree well, in the country it goes you know, back to it this all like I said, this all wraps together. How is it possible that we have an entire generation of people okay collaboration synergy thinking outside the box raising the bar breaking down silos shifting the paradigm disrupting the market business i'm not super sympathetic to the hardship like the again it's been financial hard times for those people but our what i do not understand is how we've had inflation to a point where whether it be college tuition or whatever but there's not the job there's not the jobs to be filled right so i think in i think higher education is probably it's a component of it it's a component but the jobs aren't they don't exist well right but i think like because it seems like what we did at some point probably late 70s early 80s was like everybody if you, if you want to get a good job you got to go to college right and so that was that was i mean maybe i maybe it was earlier than that but it seemed like there was this huge push where everybody needs to go to college right if you're not going to college then you're nothing and so was, now you have it's the birth of the GI Bill. The GI Bill made it uh, more accessible for a lot of um, returning vets to go to college. And now that's also the same time that people moved from the cities to the suburbs. Yeah. But I, I don't think like historically that doesn't even equate like historically when I when I think back of when I was younger. Right. College was still a conversation that people had, but there were jobs available. I think there's just, we don't, we really, we really don't have the jobs. So it also, like, I'm probably going to start another project of like, okay, these job numbers that people keep talking about, where are they? Yeah. That's what, that's the thing that I keep wondering, because I hear, you know, growing unemployment and yet, you know, good jobs growth. And I'm like, well, how can you have both? You know, like, okay, so we lost a hundred million jobs over here, but we added five jobs over here <laughs> great uh <laughs> well I'll, I'll tell you this i'm super i'm more sympathetic to millennials now i don't have an answer thank you <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm even wearing my millennial t-shirt today yeah i see that i, I didn't want to 1984 i was <laughs> I wasn't wearing diapers in 84 i was watching purple rain <laughs> so so it, it's just uh there are no, there are no jobs. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know where people are pulling this num- these numbers out of their butt. And I know that PPP 
as and even the jobs created are maintained by PPP were just to get the small businesses or the businesses to actually not have to pay back the loan. So it would just be considered a grant. Right. Um, those people are now getting furloughed again. It's like, it doesn't really matter. So um, I don't know, man. I, I just, my heart does go out to millennials. Like, you know, like I, I'm starting to understand why gig workers are actually a thing now. Um, and I'm starting to see and understand that, you know, I read this one thing about a girl that she graduated from college, uh, after paying her, her, most of her way through college and still having student loans, pay, you know, left to go. Um, she's working two jobs until recently. She like one of them went out of business just to make like 60, $70,000 a year. Right. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow. And maybe it's the shift that we thought that I, well, I'm going to do some homework on like, where are these jobs that people say supposedly exist? Because I don't believe it. Like I, I've been sending you probably a ton of articles about all the white collar layoffs. Yeah. Well, and that's, that would be my other question is, are we, are we adding jobs that are anywhere near the same no. level, right? As the jobs that were lost, right? I mean, because again, never, if you're dropping, we never about underemployment. If you're dropping six figure em- employees over here, but you're adding, you know, more part time labor over here, or even, you know, not even part time, but like minimum wage labor, right? I mean, that's not the same thing. You can't say that those two jobs are equal, right? We, we as a country never talk about underemployment. The last time underemployment was really stressed on was uh, uh, George Bush. And W? Yeah. Him and Clinton had this. Um, there was a little spat about underemployment. That was the only time I ever heard that in, as a national conversation. I feel Under- like there was a lot of maybe not a lot, but there was some talk about it during the Obama years because people were then pointing to it as, well, sure, job numbers and unemployment looks good, but it's really the underemployment that is the problem. You know, people that aren't, you know, and I've, there was also talk of people retiring early because they couldn't find work, which I never really understood. Like, well, I can't find a job, so I guess I'll just retire. Uh Cool. Can I can I not find a job so I can retire at thirty six? <laughs> well, uh, the people that were doing that were uh, like in their you know sixty two, right? Like so, they were just like calling it a day and just say, okay, I'll, I'll pay the pen- penalty for four hundred one k, and I can survive until I get my uh, social security. So that's it. again tie- all ties back together. <laughs> So the stupid payroll tax, um, the tax cut, the how? Yeah, I'm like, he's been talking about that crap for for months. I'm like, well, yeah. somebody please shut him up. I would love to see a graph of the number of executive orders signed, like <sighs> you know, year over year, right? So the first year one versus two versus three versus the last like month, because I swear he signed more executive orders in the last month or two. Then he has his entire presidency to this oh, point. Oh, he, he's killing. He's number. Uh, so here's a list. Um, Eisenhower, 60. Uh, Johnson, 58. Kennedy, 56. Trump, 49. Obama, 
26. Yeah, seems about right. And this is this chart is uh, executive orders through October 13. So like you oh, know through last year. Yep. So that's not even counting every all the stupid crap that he's tried to claim that he's doing. And I Overall, still, I mean, like, what was preventing him from signing these executive orders three years ago, four years well, ago, right? He did a he did all right. He will he, I will say he did a President Obama play. Like the Affordable Care Act came like right. It started to really take traction right around re-election, and I think that's why it was kind of cobbled together. I um, mean, I I I get that to some degree, but at the same time, I just like all of this stuff that he's been really pushing and like touting, look, I'm, I, I got it done, you know, are all things that he campaigned on. Right. <laughs> totally got it, dude. <laughs> You're I, preaching to the choir. I know. I just like, I mean, I'm just sitting there going like, what was preventing you from doing this four years ago? Why, why wait until now to do that? And I, I hear what you're saying that with Obama, you know, and at least ultimately like he was actually trying to do something there. Like he was still going to try and like, this is nothing. This literally are pieces of paper that he might as well wipe his ass with. They're worth oh, that much. No doubt. He is definitely the executive order president. And I, what's funny is like, uh, and I, I've been railing on this for a while now, like now I keep seeing news clips where they're like, yeah, it's funny how Trump is, you know, he gave president Obama a big, you know, lashing over these uh, executive orders. And like, there was a bunch, there's a ton of sound clips and it's like, but he's doing the same thing. I'm like, dude, have, if the news started reporting stuff as it happened, they would make their job so much easier. Why <laughs> they haven't been doing that from the get go. I mean, I think four years ago I was sitting there during the election, you know, saying that they ought to be cutting away from his live campaign speeches to correct what he is saying that is false. There's no reason that they should leave those go completely uninterrupted. But the right. reason they did was ratings. Right. Because that's oh, what people were tuning in for. And it's like, okay, so you sold your soul for a dollar. Great job. <laughs> like, I mean, and if that's not the American dream, I guess I don't know what is. So, it, well, I, yeah, and it's been painful. And I, I have to keep reminding myself this is, we kind of got to let this play out. The more he's yeah. on TV lying, and actually, that's, not, that's that hurts to say because this guy lies just to lie. Well, yeah. And it's. Have you ever watched the Axios interview with this guy? I, I've watched most of the most of it, but not the whole thing all the way through. It's been on my list, but I haven't had a chance to sit down. It's on YouTube. It. Yeah. It is a master class, bro. It is like. Yeah, it is the funniest is, thing. I mean, that dude... But again, right? Like, where has this been? What, I don't know. Not a single other person interviewing Donald Trump at any point previously could ask follow-up questions? <laughs> it was like a... It, I kid you not. I was like... I left a comment in the YouTube video. I'm like, this is like an SNL skit. And then I'm reading through all the comments and, like, multiple people are like, this is like an SNL skit. Like, yeah. this is this is hilarious. This is the guy running our country. Yep. Well, he's not really running it. He's well, just kind of yeah. Like, he's he's the guy masquerading around as the leader of our country. And this whole payroll tax thing is just like, dude, man, you understand that you're jerk around Social Security and Medicare. Well, and not only that, but he literally doesn't have the authority to do that. It's it's. I know it's be it'd be beside the point, but still, like the the two points stand stand side by side. Yeah, you're gonna totally mess with both with Medicare and Social Security in order to cut taxes for on payroll for corporations. 
And he makes the statement, if I get reelected, it'll be forgiven. Because he knows it's going to backfire. Yeah, because where is that money going to come from? Was he going to go raid FEMA again? Yeah, it's reported income for those companies. And, you know, every person I saw that talked about it was thinking the same thing. I'm thinking like, yo, that's not the way that works. No. He's trying to tell them that he's going to cook the books. That's literally what he said. Elect me and I'll make sure you don't have to pay. He's bribing all of them. Oh, did I lose you? Your face froze, and I don't hear you talking. Ladies and gentlemen, we seem to be having some technical difficulties. Uh, difficulties akin to me saying the word technical. So I will do my best to try and get on your back. I don't even remember what we were talking about. We were talking about uh, government, Donald Trump, payroll executive. Tax. Oh yeah, payroll tax. That's right. So yeah, uh, he's gonna bribe everybody basically to. <laughs> <laughs> so just in case you guys don't know what happened, somehow or another, my computer decided to screw me on this. But whatever. Um, we are uh, pretty good with our technology so <laughs> we figured it out <laughs> yeah but yeah you know i i just think that the economy you know we when the white collar jobs start going bye-bye it's going to be a new level of crazy um well you know what they say i mean nobody cares until it hurts the suburbs right yep so that's where it's headed next um yeah i just yeah i i don't know it's um, it's another. It's just it's, it's frustrating. I think to to look and see that what what has really been pointed out during all of this with the coronavirus and everything is like just the stark inequalities that exist. You know, um, what we essentially did was said, if you're a minimum wage worker or you make below a certain amount you're essential and your life doesn't really matter because the service you provide is more important than that. So we're going to make you go to work, but everybody else, you're good. Just chill. Just stay at home. Yeah. We, we propped up our economy with, um, you know, we prop up what we think is our economy with at the expense of other people, you know? Um, and that's why I'm a proponent of, you know, yeah, I don't hate Amazon for being Amazon right now, but I'm also not upset that the grocers close at like eight o'clock, you know, um, do they need to be open so early? I don't know. There, there's gotta be some fine line there that, um, makes all this worth it. No, I agree. I mean, you know, and I think I would hope to see company you know more companies doing stuff like what Kohl's did with Amazon where looking for opportunities to partner with their with these you know where brick and mortar can partner with online because you need both right you can't right you can't exist in an online only world like there are times where you know I, like today I think of batteries I need some double a batteries I couldn't wait for Amazon to deliver them tomorrow <laughs> and I wasn't going to order $35 worth of crap to get it today like Right. It just didn't make any sense. I needed a store that I could physically go to, right? Like, so figuring out whatever that mesh point is, right, between brick and mortar and 
online and e-commerce, I think is what is like that next kind of critical piece for us. If we're going to get our economy moving in the right direction, because otherwise I think feel like what we're ultimately doing is trading off online for like, we're, we're getting more online sales, more e-commerce and less brick and mortar sales, which don't really, it's just, I don't think it provides the same level of, you know, investment in your community. Like, yeah, and that's a, that's the dangerous part. And I, I don't have a, I don't have a solve for that. I do believe that there, there could be a symbiotic relationship between the two. I just don't know what it looks like. Um, you know, um, for example, a- Amazon is, they've been beating the crap out of Walmart in a lot of areas, but they're putting pressure on Walmart to where they had to, you know, start their own Amazon type service. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, like they, they started doing free two day delivery on most items and right. Uh, I just bought a mattress off of Walmart. Uh, was it a good price? Yeah. Well, and what's funny, I was going to go to BJ's and get it because normally like the big, you know, box stores like that have decent prices on right. good mattresses and whatnot. Uh, and they had one for like a hundred bucks. I just need a twin uh, for Helena. And I forgot that we had canceled our BJ membership. <laughs> and so I was on the app and I was shopping. And I was like, cool, I'm just going to order it. I'll go pick it up at the store. And it's like, renew your membership. And I'm like, Christy? And she's like, yeah. I was like, do we need to renew our membership with BJ's? And she's like, I don't think so. And I was like, well, it says that we do. And so we start looking and we're like, wait, didn't we cancel that because we said we didn't really need it anymore? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. And so then I looked at Walmart and I was like, oh, shit, they got basically the same thing and it's $20 cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be here Tuesday. So that's... uh, Yeah, yeah. the big box stores. I mean, there's that's a... That was a time that was cool, but it's not really needed anymore. Well, I uh, mean, those were like the highlights of my my weekend. Getting to go to what was uh, wasn't Costco? Costco? No, it was like it was Price Club. That's what it uh, was out in California, um, with my mom because they always did like all the samples, you know. I mean, it's nothing <laughs> compared to what they do today. Is nothing compared to what they used to do. Like, I mean, every <laughs> single corner in that store, I swear, had somebody with free samples. Um, I, I used to go to Sam's club a lot. And when uh, my two youngest sons were younger um, and they would come with me for the weekend, uh, one of them was like, dad, I really want some, uh, what is it? Fruit loops or fruity pebbles or some crap like that. Yeah. And so I'm in Sam's club and I'm like, all right, cool. Whatever. I'm going to buy like this version. And I was like, man, if you don't eat more fruit loops, I swear right. To Cause you had fruit loops like for weeks and months <laughs> yeah. and years. Like, <laughs> Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, Fruit Loops. Yeah. The smallest uh, size Fruit Loop that they had was a pallet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in my tiny, you know, townhouse thinking like, man, I've I, I got like this freaking industrial. <laughs> it's the size of your refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing with this? It's, but that was a time that that, that stuff was needed. Yeah. Um, well, because, you know, like you, it was a combination of things, right? You had the businesses in the area that required like restaurants and stuff like that, that needed the supply chain. Right. And so that was a, a nice way for them to kind of get that stuff. And then you had your individual shoppers who, if you were willing to purchase in large quantities, you know, you could save some money doing that. And 
Um, you know, the membership subscription thing obviously is a nice plug for the stores too, because then you have that kind of built in recurring revenue and, and shopper base. Um, but yeah, I mean, are we at a point now where that, where those things all start to kind of go away, right? We've, we have been for a long time. I I think that the, uh, the finals, I think the final nail in the coffin for most, uh, like brick and mortar stores has probably been. Uh, the pandemic Um, and just convenience, you know, Um, even, even to a point where it's, I'm super on board with uh, online ordering and you pick it up at the store, you know, Um, because there are things that when you think about, I don't know, I just, I think that yes, convenience is cool, but I also have to separate myself from my Disneyland County that I live in. Right. (laughs) In one of the richest places in the country. Yeah. And that's where I I think, you know, the investing in your local community, right. And it, even if you're going to the Walmart or the target that is, you know, the physical store, you know, in your area, like it's different than you ordering online from Walmart. Right. 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 The, because ultimately what that is, is that's a person, that's a transaction that equals jobs, right? That equals investment right. in the area. Whereas an online transaction may ultimately equal those things, but it's not going to be in your community, most likely, right. unless you happen to have a Walmart distribution center in your neighborhood. <laughs> like, right. you know, it's the same thing with Amazon. Um, you can go on Amazon and buy that stuff. And yeah, like you're contributing to the economy, but are you helping out the people that live in your neighborhood? Are you, you know, like ultimately I think we've had this conversation before where it's like, you know, Americans got to a point where we weren't, we weren't willing to pay to support Americans. Now we're at the point where we won't even pay to support our neighbors. (laughs) You know, like we don't care if our neighbor's out of a job because he had to close his, you know, whatever store that he owned. Right. Right. Because I buy everything on Amazon now, or I buy everything, you know, online and, and I, I guess it's probably why people keep opening up restaurants. Please stop doing that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you think about it, right? It's the one area that they can't really <laughs> like deliver everything online in that regard. There has to be some level of brick and mortar there. Um and real I mean, I guess your big issue there is like dealing with the franchises and stuff, but Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, that was at the Randy's Pizza that was right up the street from me that used to be Michelangelo's, yeah, which yeah. was really just a front for guys running drugs out the back, I guess. Uh, they closed, and now it's Alex and Teresa's Italian Pizzeria or something. And I'm like, well, yeah. so you'll be there for 6 to 12 months, and then you'll be gone. Or they open at a really crappy time. Hopefully you have, like, you know. They have outdoor seating. So, they, I mean, they, they opened right as everything came back and they started allowing like restaurants to do outdoor dining. Right. Um, they were one of that was when they first opened up, I think. Uh, so I, I think what they did was they actually used the pandemic time to change everything over inside the restaurant. Um, so that's it, a good use of time. Though. Yeah. It may have been somewhat fortuitous for them in that regard, but we'll see. Ultimately it's a, uh, you know, I, I, it's funny to me because the, the area that we live in, you talk about it being like a Disneyland and there's like the, you know, the demand for housing is through the roof. Uh, you know, property values continue to climb and yet there's no like scarcity of property, like just actual land in most areas. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like 
I mean, like Carrie keeps gobbling up more and more parts of unincorporated Wake County. Um, but even then, like, I mean, within here, like the the big Harris Teeter shopping center that's right down the street from my house, they're finally developing a huge plot of land that's been sitting there undisturbed for, you know, 15 years. And I kept sitting there wondering, Actually, like 20 years, 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like they're finally going to do that. You know, I mean, they put the Lidl in across the street and that place had been sitting there. For a long time so they keep finding more and more places to put stuff <laughs> so it doesn't seem like there's any real i mean and there's like there's available shopping center space and stuff like that i it's it's interesting that we live in this place where it's like everything's kind of good <laughs> all the time it's it, it's yeah but that i think i really do believe and and this is just kind of my gut this time it's going to affect us yeah i really do like i really feel like yeah, we're not skating. We skated out of 08 and 09, if I'm being honest. Like yeah, oh, big time. I mean, that's it. Uh, I, I don't think we're skating on this one, bro. Um, it's just not in the cards. <laughs> just not. It's not in the cards. Let's talk about technology. I think that, you know, when you start to look at, uh, I, I think probably September, October, we're going to start seeing more tech layoffs. Yeah. Um and what does that do to our area? Hmm. It's going to hit the fan. Uh, and and I'm a little bit afraid of the fact that we can uh, we can outsource a lot of work. Well, actually, so I read an article that kind of makes me think that the the tech boom is going to it's going to that whole industry is going to evolve a little bit because they're really pushing this whole AI driven programming. Yeah, <laughs> that's one thing we have an overabundance of in this area. Developers. Developers. <laughs> I mean, imagine the downfall of that. It's going to be like, yo, that just happened to you, bro. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess, what are your thoughts on that in terms of like the AI-enabled developing? Uh, do you think that there's real potential? Is it the beginning of Skynet? Is it... <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's a little bit of all of the above. Because I, I, I could think... also see it being one of those, you know, like the... <laughs> We taught it all these programming languages, and we let it choose which one to write in, and it wrote everything in COBOL. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> all right, who taught the AI COBOL? I want to know. Like, <laughs> job security for AI, right? Right. <laughs> uh, my thoughts are it makes sense because, well, I'm going to say it, and I'm sure. I'm going to say this in a very generic way. So if you're a developer out there and you get pissed at me, hit me up. Oh, then... so just to clarify, this is Andre's turn to broadly paint a group of people with an <laughs> incredibly offensive <laughs> determination. <laughs> Writing code is not that hard. You know, it, it requires the ability to read. It requires the, the ability to have uh, some type of logical execution of task. Who better to do that in a computer because you're not you're never creating something from the ground up the computer is only saying what what inputs do you have how do you want to process it how do you want to display it could the same be said for most forms of communication sure because i just wonder about like you know the i fed you know a, a 
thousand hours of Pizza Hut commercials into an AI and then had it write a Pizza Hut commercial. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you've seen those, but they always come back where it's like, you know, uh, a waitress grumpily stalks to the table, uh, places basket of garlic knots in front. We ordered these. Yes. And they are for you. <laughs> she exclaimed, like, you know, it's all it's all written in weird, like, you know, somebody who obviously doesn't understand the context. And I know that there's not as much context in or really any context, I guess, in writing uh programming or doing developing, but I don't know. No, it really it really is like I mean, you know, uh so I was reading this book called um what is it called? Clean Architecture or something like that. I think that's the, the title of the book. And the 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 writer of the book was talking about, um, you know, he's explaining writing code as in blueprints and how everything is systematically done. I guess my, my, my ability to be really good at puzzles, you know, what I did for a couple of years, I built houses. So it's not far off the same logic. None of it's really far off. You just you describe a problem or you describe an opportunity. What resources do you have to, to, you know, fulfill that? And you just write the code, you write the instructions. And so I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to minimize the effort involved in writing code. I'm just saying that it's not as technical as people think it is, if I'm being honest. Now, I will say that AI is a technical skill. You know, once you start to build and shape and mold all that stuff, yeah, that's technical. But even after a certain point, you're using a framework of some type where people have already, you know, crunched together all that stuff to produce said whatever so at the end of the day you're just really reiterating the same stuff in a different for a different solution so following up on last week's conversation would you consider developers to be artists oh no (laughs) (laughs) i mean i figured that was the answer but i just wanted to clarify i think developers are the next or they're going to be the next blue collar worker the same the same likeness of people that worked in the factory back in the days I can see the similarities in the two fields. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I, I'm kind of sitting here going, uh, I guess I, I look at it and think that we're already there. Oh, you're probably right. You know, I think if, uh, and maybe it's the beginning of it, but I think, you know, with the opportunity to outsource, right. As quickly and, and as often as we could, uh, to look for essentially what is, you know, uh, we'll take interns, and right. people fresh out of college, because as you pointed out, as long as you can learn it, right? Like you can figure out how to do this. So yeah. if you if you are teachable, inevitably, like you can learn how to do this. Now, how efficient you are at doing this may vary from person to person, right? But right. the your ability to complete the job, and that's they'll cycle through. They'll, I mean, they don't. Most places don't care if. Most- most places hire contractors. Well, that too, nowadays. Most, most places will go to Eastern Europe or, or India for cheaper labor. Right. Well, and, and that's where I'm thinking, especially now, right, where they're sitting there going, why am I going to repay my remote developer to sit in Raleigh and code when I could pay my remote developer in India to sit there and code and I can pay him a fourth of what I'm paying my Raleigh developer? Right. Or Romania or Czechoslovakia or... Uh, Paraguay or Uruguay, where there's a lot of, I mean, yeah. developers are becoming a dime a dozen. So it, I think at some level, and, and I'm not trying to, 
again, I'm not saying this in a negative way. I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. I know there's a level of skill, just like there's a level of skill and craftsmanship to being a carpenter to writing good software. I'm saying that the end of the story is like, you're not a unicorn. <laughs> like, right. like your, your craft is going to become a dime a dozen. Well, and you're not the one writing the programming language, right? Like, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the other piece of it, I guess, is that ultimately yeah. like there are very few of those people that exist. The people right. that are out here writing programming. I was, languages. A, I was a framer or carpenter. I wasn't like an architect, you know, I wasn't a structural engineer. So all I was doing was following, following instructions, you know, now could I design a deck? Yes, I can. I actually helped a, a buddy of mine um, for the last couple of weeks to get his plans passed. <laughs> so, nice. so it's like, you know, I understand there's a skill to the craft. I'm not saying that's not true. I'm saying that when you look at the actual work that's being done, it's not that unique. Right. You need and you need some fingers and a keyboard and. <laughs> yeah. Just can, can you read? Can yeah. you can you follow? Can you create a logical solution? Uh, then you're probably going to be okay. Well, you know, but that's that's that second part. I think is where most people fall short. <laughs> it's the logical the logical conclusion piece. Well, you want to hear the danger that I also see is that when I was younger, the the push was to become a doctor or an attorney. Yep. Right now we have an abundance of both, and most doctors are uh they do their internships but they actually eventually go back to their home countries um if you look at the makeups the makeup of surgeons and doctors in this country they're not the same doctors in that were here 20 30 years ago if you look at the same thing about attorneys same thing uh most attorneys are actually getting stuck in the public defender role for a long time and you're seeing less and less people uh practice in smaller firms it's a lot of people shifting into corporate law and even the turnover there is super high, you know? Massive so burnout. Yeah. We, we tried to do the same thing with nursing back in 08 and 09. It's, it, we have this cycle of trying to create a, a need without a realistic demand. Well, but see, I wonder how much of it is that and how much of it is creating the, the supply for the market, creating an overabundance of supply for the market. So that you keep labor costs low. Well, it's not. Well, then it's proving flawed because it's not working. It's not. I mean, like you, you we have a we still have like when you look at the medical field, we still don't have hospitals or provide health care in certain parts of states or countries. Yeah. So, so we're only we're only supplying for certain pockets. Yeah, I guess that's true. I saw this study on uh, psych psychiatric help in across the country. There's actually a place in, I want to say it's in Montana it, or I don't know where the States are like mentally are right now. I'm not bad at geography, but I just know that this is really a bad scenario where in order to get mental health, you had to drive 150 miles Yeah, and there was nothing else for 150 miles. So imagine the vacuum that creates there. So we're creating a supply without even really targeting the demand. We're having people to go to school for things where it's like, well, now, you know, when you say, why can't millennials find jobs? They probably got some really bad career advice. Right. <laughs> well, I think that's, that was part of what I was maybe trying to say earlier, but wasn't communicating was that there was this massive push for higher education, which ultimately resulted in people looking for better jobs. And so now what you have is, 
this massive supply of highly, you know, higher educated people who want high end jobs and there aren't, there isn't the the supply of the jobs, right? The demand for those jobs is there. The supply is there because we have all of these people who essentially have the skills supposedly to be able to do this, but there, there's nowhere for them to go that we, yeah, they don't have the experience, right? It's like, the only way you're going to get a job in that that marketplace is to have the experience. Well, well and then, it, I mean, you talk about the developer space, right? I mean, that that whole experience thing becomes another massive barrier for a lot of people. And, you know, trying because that is an area where what you'll often see there was some I think it was on Instagram or Facebook or something. But um, some meme where it was, you know, job requirements, uh, you know, all of these different things, you know, uh, experience, you know, five plus years or something like that. And then like minimum salary, $15,000, you know, or it's like you want somebody with five plus years experience who knows 15, 20 different programming languages, you know, to come and work for you for nothing, because that's what (laughs) to you, that's what the job is ultimately worth. But you still expect somebody to have these ridiculous qualifications. You know, here's what I think. And I kind of, uh, I, I really believe that at some point the, and I've said this, multiple times that innovation now is the time for innovation right if we can figure out ways to number one innovate and create things as opposed to going going to be the best employee like we as america as as our economy starts to get really stagnant now is the time for really good ideas and it doesn't mean you're going to hit a home run on the, on the first swing it means that you're going to get on base and i think and believe and it's not just about technology, but it's probably a lot of service area industries that if we as a country, and I've probably said this before, this is the time to do it, right? Like really go out and say, okay, if reality says I'm only going to make $25,000 a year, you know, and this is especially going to millennials because I feel ultra bad for being so, so blind to their plight, then go do that. But work on creating your own thing. Because the rules of the playground aren't going to change for you anytime soon. You have baby boomers retiring late later. You have uh, people my age that, you know, we're a little bit more resilient and we're probably going to hog jobs from you guys because we know we'll just take a pay cut and go get a job and then we'll figure out a way to work our way back up a ladder. Yeah. It's, it's just, you know, now is a good time to start your own thing. If you are a developer, you know what? You're probably capable of writing the software that somebody's going to pay you to write for a crappy salary by yourself. Create that new product. Yeah. If if you are in the gig economy, I'm willing to bet money. DoorDash, Postmates, they're they're probably missing something. You know, I keep seeing this Care.com commercial. I don't have I don't have the need for a babysitter or a nanny, but that is a good example of how do you translate the services people need that are becoming more apparent now into a business. Yeah. Um, so that's personally how I look at it. I'm not a manufacturing guy, but I'm, I'm not sure what, what we need in that space, but I can tell you for most other things, there are probably pretty obvious, you know, opportunities if we look, but you can't look and then try to believe that you're going to knock out of the, out of the park on your first year. Um, the one thing I keep, you know, is that, Again, going down my rabbit hole, I was noticing there are a lot of people with four-year degrees, even masters, that do sales. And I keep asking myself, and I started looking at sales jobs. I'm like, why do you need a degree to sell something? Like, that makes absolutely no sense. 
But most, you know? most places when they put a job posting up for a salesperson require a four-year degree. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm with you on that. I think, I mean, that's, again, I think, you know, it's like we, we kind of, I don't know if we fed people this lie or we bought the lie that if you want a good job or if you're smart, you go to college, right? Like that's essentially if, if you're worthy, right, you'll get into college somewhere, somewhere, <laughs> some college has to accept you because right. there's so freaking many of them, um, you know, that like, okay, well, you'll, so you'll go to college, you'll graduate from college and that's what you need in order to go get a good job that without that college degree, without proving and, and that it didn't matter what you got a degree in. Ultimately, right. it was just all it was was that piece of paper that initially that basically just said, look, I went and had people talk to me for four years. Right. <laughs> and I proved that I listened enough that I could have passed the tests that they gave me on it. And I like I'm with you. I've never really understood the inherent value of that piece of paper. Right. Did you learn a specific skill set that I can't teach you? You know, like what if you're a doctor? Sure. You know, like, yeah, yeah right. makes a ton of sense, right? But, like, I just, I don't know, man, like a business management degree. There are things I can learn, right? But I, I'm i not going to graduate from college and be put as the CEO of a multi-million dollar organization, right? Like, right. nobody's going to do that. I'm going to learn what I need to learn on the job. Like, and I, yeah, I just, it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't I'm, make I'm not trying to sense. say college is not important or valuable. I'm no. just saying, like. I think that we now is probably that when you look at the plight of the millennials, and I know they get a lot of a lot of flack, right? Yes, but I we think do. It's actually, right, rightfully so. Well, hold we, on, go back. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of got sold a bill of goods right there. Yeah, you know, uh, I can't imagine one of my kids being like sixty, seventy thousand dollars in debt, making like twenty six thousand dollars a year. That's freaking terrible math. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I just kind of, huh, I do believe that right now, 2020, even though I was hopeful <laughs> for 2020 and 2019, maybe I'm hopeful that we come up with some real, real actionable solutions, things that we can really do and really examine. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know I'm going to keep trying and keep talking about hopefully good things and just, uh, you know, spitball the ideas. I mean, I'm not an economist, but I can tell you that where we are isn't good. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a politician, but I put people in the swamp. So I'm responsible for that. Uh, so those two groups seem to get together and realize like, hey, we need to probably rethink some of our strategies because they're garbage. Yeah. Uh, so no, I'm, I'm anyway. with you on that, you know, and I'm, I think we have both repeatedly kind of uh, called for or hoped for some, you know, uh, voice of reason <laughs> in the political <laughs> spectrum. Um, and I don't, I don't know if we'll find one, but it sure would be nice. Um, and I think, I, but I think you're right. You know, like the, if we really want to fix this and, and come out of this pandemic and everything on, on the, on the upswing, then we've got to figure out what the next big leap is because it's not continuing to do what we've been doing and it's not, you know, driving, uh, bigger divisions amongst the groups of people that exist in this country already. So figuring out how we do that all together um, would be, would be nice. Be <laughs> Let's awesome. put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, we're glad that you guys uh, 
you know, decided to hang through all the way. Um, if you did, we don't know if you did. We have no idea. We, we don't know. <laughs> we could pretend like we know, but we really don't know. Yeah. We're I'm watching. Gonna, I'm going to start making graphs uh, to show with people's faces <laughs> how far they made it through episodes and publishing them on our social media feed. So you better be listening all the way through. All the way through. <laughs> uh, we're, we're really glad you joined us. And we're glad that we have listeners and, and, and people just hanging out with us from around the world. It's pretty Pardon me, pretty dope. Um, yes, it is. Uh, I saw we've, we've got, uh, so I think, Moscow in Russia. So uh, Putin. Putin is a big fan of ours. Probably all the crap we talk about Trump. He's like, ha, 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 Russia. Um, I mean, that was my Russian accent, I guess. Uh, I was going to do one earlier, but I just can't pull it off. Yeah, that's right. You, you're always smart. You stay away from the accents and stuff like that. I'm the one who's always like doing my Bill Clintons and Arnold Schwarzeneggers and like... I'll do the funny voices because I know they're terrible and it's just, it's as much for a laugh as anything else. But, <laughs> but yeah, so Moscow, uh, Belgium, we had some, some Belgium listeners, uh, Folsom, California. So I'm sure that's some family or friends of mine hanging out out there. So thank you to you folks for tuning in and giving us a listen. Um, uh, I'm trying to think where else. I don't know. I know my parents listened to uh, a couple episodes recently. The one with my dad, they really enjoyed. That's Shocking. good. Um, although Carolina Beach never shows up in our our feed, so I don't know if like it, where it's getting grouped into. But <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, probably Apex. Um, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and Julian. Shout out yeah. to Julian, by the way. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks, Julian. We we love you for that, brother. Um, but we're really glad that we get to keep doing this. We're, we look for ways to expand our own platform. This is actually kind of a little social experiment of, you know, proving that, um, hell, you can build your own platform. You can have a voice out there. The, the barrier to entry and the cost to entry is so low now. Um, and a lot of things can be done. It's just take, the, you know, take an, a chance and seize the, seize the opportunity. Um, and we can go for a long time without having sponsors, although we will take that money. Yeah. Um, so if you're interested in investing in the Chris and Andre show or advertising with us, <clears throat> yeah. we will pimp your products, assuming that, uh, you know, we like them and that you pay <laughs> us enough money. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> again, as always, we're glad you joined us. Uh, always visit us at Chris and Andre show.com. Uh, we are on the Facebook, the Twitter, on Graham. all of the, you can subscribe to our podcast on uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music. Did I get it right this time? Yeah, I guess is it Apple Music now? I don't know. No, I, th I think it's still iTunes. iTunes or okay. Apple Podcasts. If you're on your phone, then it's on. It's just the podcast app. Pandora. Uh, yeah, Pandora, Google Music, which the Google Music Store is going away, and that's going to become YouTube Music. I saw. Um, okay. Oh. Speaking of which, <clears throat> this will probably, well, yeah, this is four episodes down the line, so we should have something up by the time this one actually airs, but we do have a YouTube channel uh, that I created. We don't have any content published there yet, but we are working on that, so um, don't get your hopes up too high. It's probably just going to be trailers <laughs> with a still image, although I did download a... Uh, uh, like a motion graphics uh, software called Blender. And I've been working on trying to 3Dify our logo and then make it spin and rotate. Just All right. I thought that would be cool. 
Um, like everything else in my life right now, it's way more complicated than it should be. And so uh, I haven't been able to quite figure it out yet. And the tutorials that I watch are always like, so the first thing you're going to want to do is go to this section. I'm like, no, 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 you need to tell me where that section is because I literally don't see that anywhere in here. But yeah, uh, so hopefully we'll have some YouTube stuff coming up here uh, in the not too distant future as well. Yeah, we are definitely, uh, we definitely enjoy doing this and it's a, um, it's fun. And I'm glad that we get to fund this adventure and it's inspiring to see that um, and it's actually all right. Last thing I'm going to shut up. We used to, and I, I was thinking about this the other day. We used to talk about doing this so much that it became annoying until I was just like, "Hey, let's just do it, <laughs> and we'll figure it out later." So it's cool to see that we are, you know, adjusting and making things better. We, we have a website. We we figured out how to get stuff on, you know, recorded and well, not we. When I say we, I mean Chris and sound. I guess semi-professional. And the only thing I've ever asked Chris is like, I don't want to sound like Gabe on the Bon Lani show. Yep. Yeah. Don't make so. me sound like Gabe, the producer. And that, I mean, that's, that's a pretty low bar. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I'm going to assume that Gabe doesn't do his own sound or if he does, he just doesn't care. Maybe he sounds terrible in person and that's <laughs> as good as he can make it sound. It sounds like he's recording on a second rate mic and if somehow I can't imagine Gabe, if you're listening, we're not hating on you, buddy. Like we, we wish that you sounded better because I like some of the things that you have to say. Yeah, and you're, I think you're he's pretty funny. Now yeah. I gotta say you had some big shoes to fill with Shannon Penn stepping away years ago, but uh, you, you, you do bring a nice perspective to the show. And so we do enjoy that, but um, yeah, I mean, overall I do my best to try and make this sound good without it being overproduced or, taking any longer than it already does for me to get episodes out so uh, everything that's holy yeah there you go i'll end it on that <laughs> so as, as always thanks for uh, listening to the chris and andre show i'm andre and i'm chris and we'll talk to you soon What's the difference between an alligator detective and an alligator who plays the stock market? One's an investigator, the other's an invested gator. <laughs> <laughs>